This podcast is supported by listeners like you. We're grateful for your tax-deductible donation at newthoughtphilly.org or the link in the episode description. A practical prayer is a prayer that works. These discussions between Reverend Bill Marcioni and Carol Lawrence dive into the details of how it works and how to work it. Reverend Bill is a New Thought minister and the author of Practical Prayer for Real Results. Your new life begins with a new thought. Carol Lawrence is on a spiritual quest, finding the New Thought teaching after decades on the pulpit in three different traditional denominations. I've got some questions. Together, they're exploring the philosophy and activities that come together from many of the world's religions to create the practical spirituality that is New Thought. Welcome to the Practical Prayer Podcast. I'm Carol Lawrence, and I'm here with Reverend Bill Marcioni, and we're going to talk about some terminology today. The words. In the beginning was the word, and the word was what? God. <laughs> and now the word is prayer, and we want to figure out exactly what, which, which words are what, because you, you came up with a whole list of different terms that are, seem to be used for the same sort of thing. Yeah, when I was doing my independent study thing, or when I do it, I ran into some terms for prayer. The first one is spiritual mind treatment. I found that in uh, Dr. Holmes's writing. Mm -hmm. And then I found affirmative prayer, scientific prayer, and, of course, practical prayer. Yeah, which is the one that I coined because yes. I thought the other ones were kind of confusing. And the practical prayer, I'll start with that one because I think it's the easiest. The full name for it is a practical prayer for real results. And there's a lot of metaphysics that we get to unpack, like what is real. But when I tell somebody I'm going to do a practical prayer to get a real result, it is pretty clear to the person I'm talking to that what I want to do is have a different experience of life after the prayer, as a result of the prayer than I was having before the prayer. And it's practical in that it is not something that I'm doing for some mystical, mysterious, religious reason. It is a very practical activity. I'm doing a prayer practically to get a practical and tangible result in my life. So that's practical prayer. And to be honest, a practical prayer is a spiritual mind treatment. And I relanguage it. I call it the new language of new thought for exactly the reason that you brought up at the beginning of our conversation today. Because somebody hears the term spiritual mind treatment and their head tilts to the side like a puppy hearing a high-pitched noise. Like, what? And once we understand what Ernest Holmes meant when he coined the term spiritual mind treatment and what he was doing with the treatment, we understand. But it becomes an inside joke because you have to understand his practice what he wrote in the book, The Science of Mind, and dozens and dozens of other books that he wrote and publications that he issued to get an understanding for his meaning. Spiritual mind treatment is a way of changing our thinking, our mind, in a spiritual context to create a different experience of life. So it actually is a practical prayer for real result. The treatment, and he called it treatment because back a 100 years ago when he was doing his work and developing this, there were different healing modalities that were all you know, vying for contention as the, for the top spot. 
There was allopathic medicine, which is what we're considered to be Western medicine. There was acupuncture, and there were osteopaths, chiropractors. There were all sorts of uh, manipulative, physical manipulation techniques that could be used to bring about a sense of healing and physical recuperation. And Ernest Holmes knew, because that had been demonstrated pretty effectively before, that a healing, a physical healing, could be done mentally. And so he wanted that to be the treatment modality, was this prayer. And so he, used the, he called it a treatment modality right there in the name of it. That's why it's called the treatment or spiritual mind treatment. You go to a doctor and when they give you uh, an antibiotic, that's a treatment. But it's not a spiritual mind treatment. It is a chemical pharmacological treatment. So he, he wanted to get into the, the same horse race with everybody else because he thought that spiritual mind treatment could be a leading modality. You know, at this point we have Eastern medicine and we have Western medicine, and those are two big buckets. And then there's also prayer, which is another bucket because that's not claimed necessarily by Eastern or Western medicine, but it still works. Needless to say, it lost the race. And big pharma is big time. And uh, allopathic medicine, with a couple of very important discoveries, is way ahead. You know, we've been through this whole thing with a brand new novel coronavirus. And in a year, allopathic medicine and pharma have come up with a vaccine for it. That's pretty impressive. And there's, so there are reasons why allopathic medicine won. That said, there are a lot of people who still use Eastern medicine because it's really good at treating stuff that is not so well treatable by Western medicine. Interestingly, this is a podcast about prayer, and we've been talking about medicine. And the reason is that was the context that Dr. Holmes was in when he came up with the term spiritual mind treatment. He wanted to treat maladies, those sorts of things that you might go to a healing professional, uh, Eastern or Western medicine to get taken care of. He, he wanted to be the third way, which was to do that spiritually, mentally. Okay. I'm with you so far. Okay. So that's where the term spiritual mind treatment came from. And that's why it's kind of obsolete at this point. And we're using the term, for, for my purposes, we're using practical prayer. And it means exactly the same thing. It is an activity in the mind of the person doing the prayer, inviting the infinite creative power that creates everything to create a new experience of life, either for the person who's doing the prayer or for them, for that person and the, the, the other people or person who they're praying for. Okay. So what about affirmative prayer? Where did that go? Well, before you do that one, what about scientific prayer? Because that's the most, mm, that's right up there with spiritual mind treatment <laughs> in the realm of confusion. <laughs> the term scientific prayer, and it's a great term, can mean two different things. And what we'd really like it to mean is that it is scientifically proven that prayer works. And that would be great. And I would love to see that happen. And nobody has done it so far. Interestingly, there are probably 70% of scientists believe in prayer, maybe even more. And these are the people whose professional job it is to be skeptical and need to have things proven. And in spite of their work, in spite of their professional background, they believe that prayer works. They also know that no one yet has done a scientifically rigorous, double-blind, placebo-controlled study of prayer 
that has been peer-reviewed and proven the efficacy of the prayer. There are a lot of people who have tried it. Actually, my, my doctoral thesis was on proving prayer. Uh, so I've spent some time researching a bunch of the people who have tried and the ways that it's worked and the ways that it hasn't worked. It is a pretty daunting scientific challenge because in order to make it pass muster in the scientific method, you have to be able to repeat it. Well, under what circumstances are we going to be able to get the same scenario again so that we can do the same prayer and then verify that the results happen? So scientifically proven prayer is not so much of a thing, although there are a lot of scientists who are telling amazing stories about how it works, because it does. The stories are all, they're all anecdotal. It's empirical evidence rather than placebo-controlled, double-blind studies uh, with statistics and stuff backing it up. But you continue to ask, why do we use the term scientific prayer? <laughs> <laughs> and and that's for the other half of it. Because when we are doing a practical prayer, and practical prayer is a scientific prayer, it's because we are not asking some God outside of us, some power up in the sky that may or may not say yes to our prayer, that has some element of chance, that there's some element of judgment about whether our prayer is going to be answered or not. Prayer is scientific in the sense that it is a principle. We are using a creative principle, and principles are scientific. Like gravity, is a, there's, a, there's a law of gravity. That's a principle. And gravity always works, and it works the same way for everybody, and it works the same way everywhere, even though it seems to work differently on the surface of a planet than it does when somebody's in space. But gravity always works the same way. Electricity always works the same way. Aerodynamics always works the same way. We can build a plane and take it off from an airport anywhere in the world, and it's going to behave the same way. That's the sense that we're talking about scientific prayer. We are using a principle rather than a capricious God who's going to maybe evaluate us because, well, you weren't particularly well-behaved while you were a child, so you're not going to get this thing that you're requesting. But somebody else who's making exactly the same ask, who was, quote, better as a youngster, is going to get it. It's a scientific prayer in that it is using a principle. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Perfect sense. Okay. Perfect sense. What about affirmative prayer? Affirmative prayer is basically just a, a prayer in the positive. So we're using our words to create a new experience. And in affirmative prayer, we are reminding ourselves that the answer is going to be yes. Because we're dealing with a principle, when we clear our belief system and believe that we are in the process of getting this thing that we're praying for, the answer is going to be yes. So we want the prayer to be for what we want. We want it to be, for example, if I'm feeling ill, uh, I'm not going to do a prayer to not be ill because not being ill is not what I want. That's what's got my attention right now. What I want to do is I want to feel well. I want to feel healthy. I want to feel vital. I want to get to the point where I can go to my daughter's dance recital. Whatever it is that I'm looking for, I'm going to put my attention on what it is that I want as a result of my prayer and state it in, in the positive. That principle that we were talking about, the scientific principle that always says yes, it don't know not. I can't say I don't want to be sick because what the prayer is about then is sick. That's the focus of the prayer is being sick. And oh, by the way, there were some of those studies where they spent millions of dollars where they inadvertently did a prayer for the people to be sick or have complications. 
oops. <laughs> so the affirmative, yeah, it's a whole long story. The affirmative prayer is about setting our intention for what we want to have happen, the invitation for the new experience we're having, and be positive about that. So affirmative prayer uses what I call the four Ps, and that's kind of the cornerstone of the uh, the affirmations or the realization step that we're doing in a practical prayer. The four Ps are that we want our declaration to be powerful, positive, personal, and present tense. And that makes up an affirmative prayer. Powerful in that we don't want some wimpy little namby-pamby, well, someday maybe I'll have enough money that I'll be able to maybe get a place of my own. You know, that's an Eeyore prayer. <laughs> so we will say... I'm prosperous, and I have all of the resources required to have a wonderful home of my own. We want it to be personal. It's going to be about me. I'm going to state that in the first person. So I'm not going to say somebody's going to come along and give me a house. It's going to say, I have my perfect house. It's going to be present tense. I'm not going to say, someday I'll have my house. Someday I'll have a wonderful place to live. Because then what I'm actually inadvertently claiming is that today I don't. So we want to make it be present tense. And if I can't believe that I can claim something in the present tense for right now, like to say I am prosperous or I have plenty of money, even though I just checked my bank balance and it's abysmal and I've got a stack of bills that's, you know, as big as I've ever seen and I don't see any way out of it. When I claim I'm prosperous and I have plenty of money, my belief system shuts down and says I can't, based on the evidence around me, I can't believe that. So what we can do to still be present tense is to say, I am prosperous, and all of the money to meet my requirements is on the way now. So even though the money hasn't shown up yet, it's on the way now. That process is in place now. That train is on the tracks, and it's on its way to the station. And that's something that's, that's in process. It's already going on. It's simply a matter of unfoldment for it to get here, rather than far off, someday there might be a track or a train. Hmm. Powerful, positive, personal, present tense. That's affirmative prayer. We want to be able to pray for and set an intention or invitation for the experience that we want to have instead of what we, for to not have what we don't want. Well, you know what? That makes me think of my favorite word, work. (laughs) Prayer work? (laughs) Prayer work. Yeah, you got to work it. Well, what do you say? You, it'll work if you work it, but you mm. got to do some work in there to make sure that it's positive. It's a whole restructuring of the way you think. Well, that's what you said in the beginning, really. Yeah. It's it's a restructuring, and that that takes some focus, I think. It's, yeah. It's really easy to get started. And I've talked about this before. We do a prayer for something that's relatively inconsequential. We're not going to kick our kick up our disbelief. If I don't really care whether something happens or not, then I can pray for it. And then when it happens, I can notice that it's happening. And because I didn't have a lot of pushback about it, then I can notice the tendency of my experience to change in that direction. And that's really powerful because it demonstrates to us that it works. And once we understand that it's a principle and that it's responding and that by using this prayer technique, we can create a change in our life experience, it can get better and better and better and better. And we can pray for things that we consider to be bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger uh, until we're dealing with the life transforming experiences. 
the question came up with a bunch of uh, healing prayer practitioners at a meeting, and the prompt was, what do you like most about being a practitioner? And my favorite thing about being a practitioner is stories that people I've prayed for uh, tell that start with, you're not going to believe this, but, and then they tell a story. And that's fun because that means that the result of their prayer was outside of what had previously been their belief system. That was something that they considered to be big. That's one of my two favorites. My other favorite is very competent, highly experienced physicians or other healthcare professionals apologetically scratching their heads saying, I'm not sure how we could possibly have come up with this original diagnosis because there is no sign of you ever having this disease. Not that somebody is, has recovered from the disease. There's no evidence that they ever had it. And the doctors are now convinced that there was something wrong with the original test. That's great. That's powerful. And I have yeah. seen that happen often enough that it's the sort of thing I look forward to happening again. Yeah, I'm going to add that to my list because I always think of it as the person having whatever has been diagnosed. And you want to get your mind to a place where you walk out of that because you're allowing healing to happen or healing or perfection to emerge. But I kind of like it the way you you explained it, like it was never there in the first place. Yeah, if, if when we're doing healing prayer for somebody, if we look at them and see somebody who's sick, then that's what the prayer is about. It's about seeing their sickness. What we get to do instead is look at that person and see that they are a divine and perfect creation of God's infinite good, having a perfect experience of love and harmony and health and vitality and whatever it happens to be. And to see beyond the condition, to know the truth about them. A practitioner friend of mine frantically called her prayer partner one day and said, you got to pray for me right now. I just saw a sick person. And she was in the hospital and was used to being around people with tubes and you know monitors and all the rest of that stuff. But she was in the hospital and she saw somebody and she perceived that person as being sick. And she called her prayer partner immediately and said, you got you to pray for me to be able to see the truth here. And the reason I love that story is because all the rest of the time she went into the hospital and she was seeing that bright light of God's love. She was seeing that divinity, that wholeness that exists everywhere beyond the condition. So we get to be really careful uh, and attentive to what it is that we're perceiving because that is showing us what it is that we're believing. Mm. That doesn't mean that everybody who we pray for who has an illness is going to recuperate or recover from the illness. You know, every human life has an expiration date, and we're not going to get around that. We can know that love is unfolding. We can know that there is something wonderful happening here. There are people who go kicking and screaming into hospice, and the healing is not that they survive. The healing is that they are at peace and that their family comes back together in a way that the matriarch of the family is dying and everything's that the family is going to end. And something happens in the process where that love, that guidance, that leadership, that nurturing that she was gets transferred on to another generation. And the experience makes everyone stronger and better and happier even though they have to have a funeral for grandma. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I want to go back to something you said. It caught my attention when you talked about practical prayer is and the spoken word. And so what I'm noticing a lot is things that I have said just seem to suddenly appear. 
Isn't that fun? It's wonderful, but it, you know, and I, when I think back, okay, it's happened before, but I've not been as conscious of it or conscious of it at all, but now quite a lot. And I thought, okay, now wait a minute. Nothing's really changing here except for I think that I'm becoming more aware of the steps of practical prayer. I I said that I didn't want to, I was struggling with the steps, and you know that. I was struggling with transitioning from one step to the next, and I thought, I can't do this because it's not working. So I don't want to practice the steps. I want to live in the steps. I want them to become a natural flow of who I am and what I do. And uh, and and one reason I I chose to describe it to myself that way is because I see the steps of practical prayer, and I don't even like to call them steps, like the reality of practical prayer playing out almost everywhere, in almost every situation. And I thought, okay, wait a minute, then this is a lifestyle. This practical prayer is a lifestyle. And the real results part is, of course, you know, we, I want what I want. And I want that to be the result. But it's almost to me that living every, living the life or in the consciousness of practical prayer, the result is not an aha. It's just a result of what yeah. happens. Once we get into the practice, and it's a practice, then what happens is it's a spiral. It's an upward spiral. And we learn practical prayer by using the steps. And the steps are really important to go from zero to 60 to understand what the process is going to be. The steps are really helpful when we are dealing with something that we think of as big. Because we can start by reminding ourselves that there's an infinite creative power that created everything, and we are using that same power to create our lives, and to remind ourselves of that that process that we're involved in, and then to remember to be in gratitude after we've claimed our new goodness, and then to let it go so that the law can do its work. It's very helpful to have the steps, but as we learn the steps, as we build up some muscle memory about how the steps go, our consciousness elevates, and it becomes a flow. Instead of it being a bunch of discrete steps, it becomes about being aware of that infinite creative power, that divine love that's God, that's everything, that's everyone, that's everywhere, that's me. Mm -hmm. And to know that that's available all the time. So when I see uh, an experience, either that, that's in front of me, I can choose to look beyond that experience and know something better, or I can look at that and invite something wonderful whether it's a huge transformation or just the continuing unfoldment of something wonderful. I'm going for a walk and it's a beautiful day and I'm seeing the interplay of the, the sun and the clouds and the trees and the shadows and the light and the breeze and it's just feeling wonderful. I can be reminded of how fabulous that is and invite that experience to continue, to continue to experience that in a way that's bringing wonder and joy and delight and glee to me even if it's a continuation of the same experience that I've been having. Excellent. Let me give you one of those things that you like. You're not going to believe this. You're not <laughs> going to believe what happened. Let's take a quick break and come back with you're not going to believe it. <laughs> okay. You can put practical prayer to work in your life, and Reverend Bill Marcioni can help. 
he is offering an online class that teaches you to create your own practical prayer in five weekly one-hour sessions. The final hour brings your practical prayer together, anchored in live original music by a notable New Thought musician. Practical prayer is based on the most effective prayers found in religions and spiritual practices all over the world. Use it to deepen ever more fully into the truth of your spiritual nature. It's the core of a transformational spiritual practice that's simple, even if it's not always easy. Reverend Bill is also available for private spiritual counseling prayer sessions. Together, you'll lean into the challenges you've experienced in life and explore the transformation that's possible through practical prayer. You'll uncover old, hidden beliefs and uproot them to make way for the life of your dreams. Everything you need to know is on the website at b-v-light.com. That's b-v-light.com. We're back. This is the Practical Prayer Podcast. I'm Carol Lawrence and Reverend Bill Marciani and I've been talking about terminology of practical prayer, the names, and we got to a place where I wanted to tell you about you're not gonna believe this. It's one of my second one of my two favorites. Yeah. So my husband and I were we we're still we've been living here for three years and we're still fixing it up and doing stuff. And uh we need a, a um baker's rack and uh he said you know we need a baker's rack and we've been saying that just now and then need a baker's rack and so we were walking to the gym and you know what we saw next to a dumpster (laughs) a baker's rack Mm -hmm. which was exactly the right color now (laughs) (laughs) of course it was it was exactly the right color Exactly the round on um, the number of shelves that I wanted, and not only that, it had a matching bench that <laughs> I wanted, but I didn't know that a bench like that came with a baker's rack. So we walked away and went back and walked away. And you know, my husband said, "Well, we'll get Steve, you know, the guy who takes care of the property, to bring it over." And I'm thinking, Mm-mm. Now, I get up at 5 in the morning, I'm going to get over here before the trash guy gets here, and I'm bringing this thing back by myself. And he turned around and said, now, let's get it now. So we pulled it back home, and it fit absolutely perfectly in the spot, and the bench is absolutely perfect, and the color is perfect. And I thought to myself, you called that in. You expressed that. This is the realization of your lifestyle or your walk or your belief in practical prayer, you know that you you know who God is. You already know that. You're cool with being one with God. You're not struggling with that. Here's the part you were struggling with, the realization. And mm. all you did was put it out there. That's all you did. And I was so excited and happy over a baker's rack. You know, I mean, it's like a small thing. It's but it was, not a small thing. Yeah, it, it's... It, you're right. It's a big thing. It's, it was it's a, a big, big thing because I wanted it and it fit every dimension that I wanted. So this is what happened. I mean, if that wasn't great enough, and I was so grateful, like I was singing and all that business, you know, so 
if that wasn't enough, I thought, this is, this is not that big a deal. You've been, what about the thing you think is big? How come you're not realize, realizing that? You know, like, you scared to talk about it or something? And so, <laughs> <laughs> because that seems to be what it takes, you know, you're, if you believe it, it's a part of your conversation is part of your belief. So it's there. It's a real, it's a reality. It's the realization. And I thought, okay, I get it. I get it. It's that real. Yeah. And the Baker's rack is a perfect example because you were aware that you wanted to have this item in your, your house and you opened up yourself to the possibility. You have to basically set the intention, the invitation for that to show up. And the story could have been that there was suddenly you stumbled across it in an ad and it was exactly what you wanted and it was at a fraction of the price and that would be a good story as well. This one is a reminder that the infinite creative power that creates everything is really close at hand. It abides within and it can take your neighbor who has something that they don't want in their house and give them the inspiration to, I'm going to finally get rid of that stupid baker's rack that we never used, that we never wanted, that was a gift. I'm, I'm just getting rid of it. And they're putting it out on the curb. So their life is happier now because they don't have to deal with their baker's rack. And your life is happier now because you have a baker's rack. You didn't have to go as far as the store. Right. You, you weren't even at the gym by the time the baker's rack showed up. And, oh, by the way, there is now gratitude that's attached to this baker's rack that was headed for the landfill, and it's not in the landfill. So this is a win on so many, many levels, and it's just another example of the pieces that already exist fitting together in a way that's going to bring harmony. Yeah, yeah. It was It just so many of the the terms and everything just flowed right with that one experience, you know, the good that you desire. And I'm thinking, I needed this for good reasons. Mm -hmm. And one of my other neighbors commented on it. She said, that is gorgeous. And I'm thinking, (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much. (laughs) So, yeah, that was my aha wow. Yep. And do you have any idea who it was that was dispensing with this baker's rack? I have no idea. And because, no, I have no clue. I would love to say thank you to them. But it was so perfect. Like, you know, you do your cleaning thing. But I'm cleaning it. It was nothing to, It was nothing on it. You know, it was just yeah. like brand new. All right. So maybe there's a holiday open house in your future where one of your neighbors says, Oh, damn that rack that I hated looks really good at your house. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> With another, another dose of gratitude for the good that's unfolding. Yeah. Well, they, it could happen even easier than that because the baker's rack is on my deck and it's holding beautiful plants. So everybody <laughs> will see it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And practical prayer, affirmative prayer, scientific prayer. Once we get into that the process of being aware of that infinite creative power that's creating everything and align ourselves with it and know that that's what we're using in a positive and affirmative way. They're all the same thing. And it's not nearly so much a process as it is an engagement with life, a philosophy, uh, an approach or a perspective. You said last week, and this, this is what resonated with me in such a powerful way. You talked about Jesus and practical prayer. 
and how he didn't have to go through the steps because he lived in that that consciousness. And yeah, I thought, that's exactly what we're talking about here. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, well, you know, you doing that, Lawrence? You sure? And I thought, <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, I'm absolutely sure. You know, I'm absolutely sure. Um, and I mentioned that the high priestly prayer in John 17 has always been the most beautiful thing. And I could just see the practical prayer all over that. And I've always imagined the mindset that Jesus had at the moment when he was doing that, which matches perfectly the description that you talk about. And so I've always wanted to have that mindset that I imagined you know, there's there's none of the um, commentaries and books that I had to read in seminary that said this is his mindset. It's just all Carol saying this. But that's what I mm-hmm. wanted. And here, like it feels a lifetime later, I'm meeting you and you're talking about you're describing this mindset that I thought was absolutely the mind of Christ that I've been working at. Not working, but, you know, like hoping and this is what I want to get to. And I'm thinking, you sure? <laughs> I am so cool with this, right? I, so <laughs> I'm so cool with it that I thought, well, oh, well, maybe it was just this one time. Get out. No. This is it. This is no, it. This you is, know, go worry about a, something else. You got this. It's all right. It's a proof of concept. Yeah. Baker's Rack is a proof of concept. And I'm pretty sure you can't turn in Scripture to the point where Jesus says, Lazarus, give me a baker's rack. (laughs) Or God said, let there be baker's rack. But it's the same process. It is the same process of opening to that infinite potential and channeling it into whatever it is that we're inviting. And I would guess you didn't even think of praying for a baker's rack. No, I didn't. You moved yourself into the consciousness of being a person who had the perfect baker's rack and the stars and planets and uh, trash day aligned to bring you the perfect thing. And you know what's really so great about this? It's like, watch out. Because now (laughs) (laughs) I got a few things that I've been hanging on to. Now I know how to fit them in. There you go. And what will happen, we've got the steps in the practical prayer. Once you know that you can do this, the key step becomes the gratitude step. Because the gratitude step, first of all, puts us into thankfulness for the good experience that we've invited that's already on the way. Because we've, we've claimed it as something present tense. So we've claimed this new good, and now we're accepting it and doing it with gratitude. It becomes really important when we understand how powerful this process is and how adept we are at channeling it. Because it is not I, it is the Father within who doeth the work. I'm not doing this. As soon as our ego thinks that we're doing this, it starts going sideways on us. Mm. It is not I. So that, that, that gratitude step keeps us in gratefulness, keeps us in thankfulness. And we can't be thankful and in our ego at the same time. Yes. Yes. So, and I agree. You got this. <laughs> <laughs> You're the teacher. If you say, I got it, I got it. Uh, you, you, you graded your own paper. <laughs> you know. A baker's rack with a gold star. Yeah. And that good is available for everybody in ways that are seemingly inconsequential and in ways that are life-transforming in every area of our life. 
Everything is created by that one power. So we are free to choose the new experience that we want to have up to the level of what we believe is possible and allow that to happen. Mm. And it's clear to me, you didn't have any doubt that it's possible for somebody to be throwing out exactly the baker's rack that you wanted. No, I didn't think, I didn't think of it that way. I knew it was coming. I knew yeah. I was going to have it. Yeah, and you were okay with however it showed up. And when it showed up way ahead of schedule for free without needing to be shipped by UPS, that's okay too. That's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a break and come back and we will do a prayer for good things happening. Okay. Get inspiration in an instant. God calls are the gentle and uplifting moment of truth to help you remember that the bright light of God's love is shining right now as you. It's your God call with Reverend Bill. Start your two-week free trial today and you'll get a phone call four times a week from Reverend Bill with an uplifting half-minute message filled with insight, wisdom, story, and fun. Let your light shine. You can answer the call to listen to it live or let it go to voicemail so you can hear it later. After the free trial, your subscription is just $5.95 a month. The details are at godcall.org. God calls are disruptive, intentionally. Whenever you write something, put on a gold star. They take you away from your routine to remind you about the truth of who you really are. They come at random times between 8.15 a.m. and 6 p.m., so you won't be expecting them. And somehow, the message is exactly what you need to hear at the time. Magic is loose in the world. It's a moment of motivation in the middle of your day. Find out more and start your two-week free trial now at GodCall.org. Welcome back to the Practical Prayer Podcast. I'm Carol Lawrence. I'm here with Reverend Bill Marcioni, and we're going to um, close with a practical prayer for good yeah. things happening. For good things happening. And good is such an amorphous term, and good things are, when I say it, you know what I mean, but it doesn't actually have a definition because good is different for everybody. So God knows what I mean when I say good things happening for everybody. But isn't that the point of a prayer? God knows what I mean when I say good, and God knows what you mean when you say good. So we will do the prayer for good as we understand it and invite that good to unfold into our lives. So uh, as I like to say, if you are comfortable and it's safe to do so, go ahead and close your eyes or go into a soft focus. If you are operating heavy machinery or driving, uh, please maintain enough awareness that you can do that safely. As we turn our attention away from the world around us, away from the details and the circumstances and the situations, that define our experience, and we turn within. We turn to that infinite creative power, that divine light of God's love that shines through and as and in every aspect, every facet, every part of its creation. There is only God. In the beginning there was darkness and void and God, and God said, let there be. And the creative law said yes, and there was, and there is. It began with light, and then planets and stars and galaxies and all the rest of it. And this is the same story that we can tell in scientific language about the Big Bang. It is that one sharing itself as all of its creation. The important part to remember is that everything that exists everywhere is this one shared in a specific way. And that includes me and that includes each one who is hearing this prayer. Each of us is an individualization, a particularization 
of that infinite creative presence, that divine love unfolding. And so I know that the good that we experience in our lives is now being amplified. The new experiences that we consider to be good, each individually and all together, are now flowing into our lives more richly, more fully, and more immediately than we had previously considered possible, or at least likely. Good and more good and more good is unfolding for each of us. It doesn't take anything away from anyone else. There is no limit in this infinite universe to the good that's available. So in whatever way we define or describe or accept it, that good is on its way to each of us and to all of us. And I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful for the good. I'm grateful for the love. I'm grateful for the stories about how that good showed up. I'm grateful for the ability to activate this creative law. And I'm grateful to be able to release this word into that law that always says yes. And know without any question, doubt, hesitation whatsoever that that law is once again saying yes. And so I let it be. And so it is. And so it is. That was great. That was great. That was fun. That was fun. We started with language and we wound up with uh, Baker's Racks and more. Baker's Racks and beyond. (laughs) (laughs) I guess we'll see what's next. Yeah. Practical Prayer Podcast with Reverend Bill Marcioni and Carol Lawrence is a production of BeTheLight.com. Be-the-light.com. Where you can find more information about practical prayer for real results. Our theme is by Music of Wisdom. You can learn about the spiritual community of New Thought Philadelphia with daily guided meditations, weekly celebrations of spirit, and Reverend Bill's classes in practical spirituality at NewThoughtPhilly.org. This podcast is supported by listeners like you. We're grateful for your tax-deductible donation at newthoughtphilly.org or the link in the episode description.